When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Danny Elfman. This is Shirley Manson. This is Debbie Harry. This is Chris Steiner Blondie. This is Roland Ozebal from Tears for Fears. This is Billy Idol. This is Alex Ebert, a.k.a. Edward Sharp, giving the story behind the song. Hi, this is Peter Chotty, host of the story behind the song. Each month I speak to some of music's biggest artists to get the inside stories behind their most lasting and iconic songs. Join me for new episodes on the third Monday of every month on the story behind the song from the Consequence Podcast Network. Available wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Dream Symbols. Launched in 2005, Dream Symbols is the partnership of passionate Canadian instrument designers and generations of Chinese gong smiths. So try one out at your local dealer. I think you're going to dig it. The prices are great. They've got some cool stuff that sounds funky, trashy, also some stuff that's clean. Uh, also, follow them on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, show them some Modern Drummer Podcast love, and let's get to the show. Why are you playing drums? Because I love to drums. Yeah. So that's why I play Oh, buddy, episode 162. We have a ton of stuff to cover. Mr. Dawson, before we talk about what's coming up, how are you doing, man? I'm doing okay. So it's, yeah, um, yeah. What, what day is it? Is it Thursday? Yeah, it's Thursday. All's In reality, it's Friday <laughs> yeah. for everybody that's listening. It's the middle of camp week. I've, I'm in the middle of one of my favorite camps of all time. When does I'll your camp that. end? Aren't you, you mean like, the season? Yeah, aren't you getting towards the end? Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is Camp 9 out of 10. So this okay. is officially my 79th drum camp since we opened Mike'sLessons.com. Uh, not that you're counting or anything. Not that I'm... <laughs> I, I'm just saying, dude. I don't want anybody to be like, you know, uh, saying, why don't you get a job? I'm like, okay, oh, let's slow down with that word. I do work. I just enjoy what I'm doing. Guys, I hope you guys are all doing fantastic. We have a great episode coming up for you today. So what we're going to be talking about first is... A little bit of education. We're going to talk about how the changing the hi-hat and changing the hi-hat groove, and just I'm only talking about with accents, so let's just say we're staying with standard eighth notes. Changing those hi-hat accent patterns can really change the feel of what you're playing and what's being perceived from the audience and from your band members. So we'll talk about that. Our featured artist is Richard Spaven. I'm sure you guys heard me wax poetically about him last week in last mm -hmm. week's episode. And then we have a gear review that I think you're really going to dig because it's an extremely, extremely affordable large diaphragm condenser mic. And I, I do a demo with it where you can hear my entire kit with just this one mic, and it came out pretty good. So I'm excited about all that stuff. Wait. Now, how is PASIC prep going for you, buddy? It's Yeah, it's going pretty good. I haven't started doing my, like, my uh, dress rehearsals, which is something I've never, okay. ever, ever done before, like a dress rehearsal of a presentation. Right. But I'm definitely going to do it. I finally got Good. through some session work that was kind of keeping me from getting my my kit kind of dialed in the way I wanted to. Um, but and, you know, I got to get a couple of Tama demos. Actually, well, I'm sure we'll talk about them again. But the SLP series by Tama, pretty dope. 
So that's just they finally released the SLP as a full kit, right? Yeah, they've been putting out snare drums okay. within the SLP series a couple of years, but it's like a full range of snare drums. And, and I think what they're doing is they're picking some of the more popular or more unique snare drums and saying, okay, let's now build a kit out of that same concept. Wow. So we got three that's of cool. them. So we'll definitely review it. It's coming up soon. But the Spruce kit, the uh, Kapoor kit, and the Maple kit with wood hoops. Mm. Pretty dope. Pretty dope. The spruce kit is yeah. kind of blowing me away. I never thought Which I would. Spruce? Spruce, of all things. Kind of blowing me away. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, man. Well, I look for. Hopefully, I'll get to see them in person at NAM this year. And, uh, you know, Tama's making moves. And, yeah. you know, Tama has a very close relationship with Meinl and always have, or always has. And I remember about three years ago, uh, Minel, every once in a while, they'll test the water. They, ne- they would never push me anywhere, but they'll just test the water and they'll be like, just so you know, Thomas coming up with some, they're going for it. And I'm like, I'm good. I love my Gretsch kids. So I'm like, no, no, we know. <laughs> I'm like, I'm fine. Stop tempting me. Uh, because I, I've, I've realized recently that even though the grass is always greener, you just got to water your own lawn. That's yeah. my new motto for yeah. the rest of my life. Just... And, and I just I also know they go through cycles. I mean, Gretsch was the coolest thing ever in 1930, and then like all of a sudden, there's this time where Pearl's the coolest thing yeah. ever, and you have to really just love your gear. Do you yeah. want to play that drum set or not? And I I honestly I love my kit, and I'm still at the point, and I think you know you're in a very similar position. Even though it's not an endorsement, you check out gear every single day. Yeah. And then at some point you have to buy something. And I always want to think, if I lost all of my endorsements today, I hope that I wouldn't buy anything other than what I have. Otherwise, I endorsed the wrong products. Yeah, and that's, a good, that's a good way to think about it. And I've often thought, like, what, what makes you identify with one brand over another? That's, I mean, that's marketing. One of, I mean, that's the whole point of Absolutely. marketing. And, and I, will, I would never pretend to say that Gretsch's marketing and their past history has nothing to do with it. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about it that my love for Phil Collins and for Vinnie Caliuta and then going back. And, I mean, I, I remember being a kid and you'd walk into a store and they're like, we have Elvin Jones's kit on display today. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, it's a Gretsch, so that must be good. I'm, I'm 11. I don't know what a Gretsch is. I don't know what a DW is. But I know that that's good because that was Elvin Jones's kit. And uh, so those things definitely play into it. There's a historical part to it. Um, and for somebody else, they might say the complete opposite. Let's say when Drumcraft was, you know, just came out, maybe they were like, I want to be part of the future. Yeah. It's like, cool. Yeah. Then that's fine, too. I think that's um, kind of so, like the, the Mapex, you know, when – that gives you an opportunity yeah. to like, all right, that's something that I don't see a lot of people into. They still make great drums. I think that's the the root of the whole thing is there's so many great options out. It's like, which do you pick? And I mean, mm-hmm. I think Gretchen Ludwig is a good good example of they had some dark dark periods when we were coming up. So like the yeah, 90s were absolutely. not really good for either of those companies. No, I mean, it was everyone no. was playing Tama and Pearl and Sonar. Yeah, man. And then and all I remember of a actually just, all the oh, people ahead. came back and was like, hey. Remember Ludwig, John Bonham? Remember right. Joe Morello? That's pretty cool. Remember Gretsch? Yeah. Remember Tony Williams and everybody else? That's kind of cool. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, and then the vintage market blew up because we had this thing called eBay. And now the yeah, entire right. world's garage was open to us. And I can finally go get a Jasper Shell Gretsch round badge kit. And so I, I'm with you. I think there's tons of amazing gear. If anyone says... 
this company and then followed by the word sucks, you're wrong. You're just flat out wrong. Like no yeah. – as far as the major companies, they don't suck. They're, they're all good. And I think one thing that's definitely happening is the amazing drums will always be amazing, but those mid-level drums are getting more and more amazing. Like you're talking about with the Tama SL, SLP, I can only judge from what they've charged for the snares that those kits are not – $16,000 drum sets. No, I mean, right? I think this, I don't know, I, well, I'll know when I actually do the review, but the um, the Spruce kit I know is, is considerably cheaper than that because it's a smaller kit. I'm playing it, I have it tuned, I always start my tuning with the drums tuned super high to kind of get the heads seated and everything. Yeah. So it's very much in like a bebop kind of sound. And it's a 12, 14, 20 with a, I think oh. it's a five and a half inch deep snare. It sounds as fat as just about anything I've ever played. So, if you oh. if you would blind test me and say which of these is the eight hundred dollar kit versus the four thousand dollar kit, uh, it'd be hard. It'd be hard for me to say easily that that one is yeah. superior to the other, just by the yeah, price. That's, yeah, and I think that's a great place for us to be. Uh, the only danger that companies have fallen into so many times, and I can only imagine that Modern Drummer has dealt with it more than anyone. Because since you have to review this gear, is don't make too many choices. I can't keep track of what's what anymore. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm, Mino went through that where they said, yeah, we're going to get rid of about half of our lines and consolidate because people are getting confused. So it's a MB10Z1305 series. <laughs> right. Like, what? Um, and it's like, I don't know what's expensive and what's cheap. And then when you make the cheap stuff sound so good, it's like, I really can't tell what's expensive and what's cheap. I mean, it was simple. When you and I were coming up, you hit a Sabian B8 and you go, hmm. Yeah. And then you hit an HHX and you go, damn. Yeah. But now it's like, it's, that one costs more. And, but when I play a B8 now, I'm like, damn, those things actually sounded good. I thought they were <laughs> right? cheap. I thought they were crummy because they were marketed to be the cheap, you can't afford right. the real thing symbols. But they actually sound really good. Same thing with the, with the export kit I started with. I, I, yeah. I knew deep down that these drums sounded awesome. I just wouldn't believe it. I was like, nah, they're exports. They sound okay. But when I get a real right. kit, it's going to sound so much better. <laughs> and when I got my first real, quote unquote, real kit, I, I was like, eh, I don't, it's not doing what I thought it would do. <laughs> right? Well, yeah. Well, one, you're still the same drummer. Right. No matter how much money you spent. And just like microphones, just like cameras, sometimes the real kits are showing more you have to have more touch and more dynamic range to play those things yeah uh, uh where like you know sometimes you get a I, I remember when the xs20 series came out from sabian i was like these are amazing yeah right and they kind of just you don't have to have a ton of touch they go crash we're done crash yeah. we're done hi-hat hi-hat hi. it was like <laughs> okay right. cool this sounds great you know Somebody's like, oh, these are the most expensive, rare 1960s Zildjian A-series hats. And it's like, man, you better have some touch to play those things. They're not going to play themselves. Yeah. So, yeah, first time um, I played an old, like, holy grail ride cymbal, mm. I was like, dang, this sounds like poop. <laughs> and they're so loud and they're so, like, in your face. And they're like, ting, ting, ting. And, and then you watch someone with pure touch play them and it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Man, that – I can I can see what's going on. My buddy Tim Metz brought over some of those Holy Grail rides, and I was like, I am nowhere near good enough to make this sound like a symbol. No, can I put like I'm like Tim? Does it devalue it if I put a bunch of gaff tape on the bottom? He's like, Yeah, don't put any tape on my symbol, man. <laughs> so true. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Like we said, I am two days away from the end of this camp. This camp has been absolutely amazing. So many new campers here, and I will tell you this: what makes a camp good or bad? is just attitude during struggle. 
this camp is like it's funny they have this mindset of like damn that was super hard all right I'm like what <laughs> you're not you're not depressed you don't want to go home I'm like no way I just can't wait to practice it i'm like oh my god you guys never leave please stay forever are you still so, do you still deal with occasional uh, ego issues or is it everyone kind of accustomed now that this no, is the whole process yeah. i mean i would say only the negative side of an ego which is like the the talking smack about yourself that oh, stuff okay. of course you know people yeah. still get down on themselves it's hard to make people remember this is not the Hunger Games. You didn't come here to win and be the last one left standing. You came here to struggle. You're not Katniss. Like, you came here to struggle. You came here to, to, to find out the truth about your drumming. And, and this book that I've written that's sitting in front of you, you're not supposed to do it while you're here. I'm telling you what's in it while you're here so you can go home and have the next year of your life to practice. Yeah. yeah. I told everybody today, or yesterday, excuse me, it was like one of those... Well, I'm about to ruin my own business, but let's just be honest. And I said, none of you need to come back for the next five years, drumming-wise. <laughs> All of you probably need – and I didn't mean them per se. I mean no camper in the history of the world has ever come back and been like, yeah, I crushed it. I know yeah. every note of your book. It's just that a year from now, the inspiration will wear off. You need to hang around with drummers once a year and talk about bearing edges and – and, you know, die cast versus single flange versus double flange versus triple flange. Like, that's why you come to camp is mm. to, to be in that environment and to be inspired and honestly to make new friends. Uh, so, so yeah, it's this camp's going amazing. And then I've got one more camp after this. Then I head to uh, Poland, Germany, Spain, do that tour uh, in November, and then I'm done for the year. So, so I guess I should fun. promote PASIC a little bit. It is November yeah. 15th, I think, is when I'm doing my clinic. It is the Thursday. I'm there. I'll tell you. Yeah, November 15th, my clinic is at noon. Um, I think later that day is when all the real drummers start playing. Stop <laughs> that. Stop that imposter syndrome. You belong there. Uh, I think maybe Zach Danziger is later that afternoon. So my goal is to show you some things you can practice that can 30 years from now get you towards what Zach Danziger is currently doing. That's my goal. There you go. And I'm going to okay, get I'm okay all my that. royalty is going to go straight to Zach Danziger. <laughs> there you go. Love it. Love it. All right. Well, let's get into some educational stuff. So. As I mentioned earlier, we're talking about hi-hats. And so what I did oh, was wait a minute, I wanted to – Wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. We did not did acknowledge Nick's intro beat. <laughs> Nick. Nick and his fat beats. <laughs> Sorry, man. I've got a good two to three gallons of green tea coursing through my veins. I'm ready to go. Oh, maybe we should drop it back in. So this is Nick's beat. Uh, this is cool because he grabbed a vocal sample of Elvin Jones from some interview – where he says, um, I love the drum and that's why I play. Why you play drums? Because I love the drums. Yeah. So that's why I play. Anyway, that's Nick's beat. Thanks for sending it in. Anyone else wants to get their in their intro beat discussed at minute 15 in the podcast? Can send it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, tough guy. Oh, in the info so at moderndrummer.com. <laughs> Man, that sounded smooth. By the way, that was great. Wow. That yeah, was really cool. Really great. All I right. think I think people are trying to make like a serious run at being the final once and for all podcast. Audio. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe we someday can dangle that. I mean, there's no, nah, no way. Keep it's pretty coming. cool to have featured students <laughs> yeah. or featured uh, listeners. I love it. All right, so let's talk education. So I took your basic standard pop rock beat, eighth notes on the hi hat. Bass drum on one and three, 
and snare drum on two and four. And what I wanted to show you, and I teach this to all of my students, is how much the hi-hat can affect the feel of the groove. So when I'm playing that, I, I kind of, no matter what groove I'm playing, as long as it's an eighth note on the hi-hat groove, as soon as I get the independence of the groove down between the kick and the snare, then I usually try out my different hi-hat options all with just eighth notes. But I try out by playing very monotone and very quiet, allowing the hi-hats to almost be like an egg shaker behind the kick and snare. Mm -hmm. Then I do what I call a quarter note push, and that's going to give it a very specific feel and make the audience feel a certain way. And then I go through some other options. So why don't we just run through these one at a time? And by the way, is this a system for you? I mean, you and I have never really talked about this, but do you, when you get a groove down, do you try a couple different hi-hat accent options? Hmm. Um, maybe not as deliberate as this. Probably sure. for me, it's more of um, I kind of start with one, and then if that's not working, I'll try other things. But I, I very rarely say, let me try a bunch of different ones. But I do well, use it know, on the gig often if I feel like something needs more more energy or something needs to be more right. chill. Um, so I'm sure I at one point I've done it very deliberately, but at this stage, it's kind of more uh, more nuanced. I probably it jump seems also, right to the more like random accent. Uh, and I think most of your drumming actually starts before drumming. Your drumming starts with music, and then you're applying drums to it. And yeah, I'm talking yeah, more about right. almost like the independence groove work. Right, right. Having the physical freedom to play these accents and keep the kick and snare intact without screwing those up, which is not easy to do. So let's take a listen to the first one. So this is just your basic pop rock groove. And there's no accents. The hi-hat is underneath the kick and the snare. All right, so with that, the kick and the snare are kind of running the show. They are steering the ship, and they are the primary thing. And then that the hi-hat sits under it. Now, just asking you, do you find with your students that sometimes, without even trying, their hi-hats are almost the loudest thing in the mix. Yeah. It's almost like yeah. their timekeeper. Almost all the time, I think. Yeah. I think it takes either just by luck, they just hear rhythms in, a, in the opposite balance, but it takes a lot of, of deliberate, like, hey, don't play that. Because it's usually the fastest thing, so that's what they focus on, right. and they're just smashing mm -hmm. the crap out of it. It takes forever. And I remember even reading, like, when I was 12 or something, Dennis Chambers saying, I think from the bottom up. And that was the first time I'd ever even conceived of the idea of thinking of a groove from the bass drum being the loudest thing and then working your way down. It's all, Before that, it was just everything just has to hit and be heard, which usually yeah. means the hi-hat or the ride cymbal is going to be too freaking loud. My thought and what I kind of tell my students when they are doing this incorrectly is I say, how many times have you danced to the hi-hat? Like, actually moved mm. your body to all eight notes. Never. You you dance to kick and snare. So get that hi-hat underneath it and allow it, like I said, start it off almost like it's an egg shaker that's supporting. It's in the supporting role of kick and snare. Now, if we want to give the feel a little bit more of a push and make people nod their heads more, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push those quarter notes. So it's what I call a quarter note push. You're still playing eighth notes. But this is the motion that most of us are pretty used to, which is the down-up motion. Mm -hmm. It's like side of the stick, side of the hat on the downbeats, and then you're kind of coming up, tip of the stick, top of the hats for the, for the ands. So let's give that a listen. And that right there almost sounds like your typical Casio keyboard rock beat. 
Yeah. You know? What I like about that is it, it's not loud, soft, loud, soft. It's denser, lighter, denser, lighter. It's it's a timbre right. change more than anything else. You're probably not hitting the cymbals with too much different velocity. No, it, it definitely like is. Um, yeah, and there's I would say there's uh, not a lot of physical uh, – I'm trying to think. I'm not putting a ton of effort into it. It's just this very smooth motion. Motion? It's a smooth motion, Mike. It's a smooth motion of just down, up, down, up. But on that down, like I said, you're getting this thicker sound because it's the side of the stick, side of the hat. Um, And it's as smooth as possible. And now if you think if we jack that up to, say, 150, you're going to need that motion. You can't go – what Jojo Mayer talks about, you can't have the up not get a sound. Because then it'd be, you know, it's a two for one motion. If you have that down, up, down, up, down, up, down, up. Do you remember a time when you had to deliberately practice that motion? Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I. Well, I remember physically not being able to play Running Down a Dream by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Mm. And I was like, and I was like, you know, just chopping wood, sheds of sticks everywhere. And I'm like, this is how is this possible? That groove drives me nuts because if you watch Ferroni play it, he's chopping wood, man. He's chopping every freaking eighth note. He's just superhuman. He's superhuman. I think his right hand could break through cinder blocks. I'm pretty sure. Sure. Yeah, he's kind of a man. Yeah. Um, all right. So now let's listen to the third option, which is hi hat being accented on the upbeats. Now you're gonna hear it like it's a disco beat. I am not playing just the upbeats. I am playing eighth notes. I'm just accentuating one and two and. So if these are my eighth notes, one and two and, I'm going one and two and. But there is a definite note being played on the downbeat. So let's give that a listen. All right, so that, I mean, I think that that's your biggest feel changes from accenting the downbeats to accenting the upbeats. Yeah, totally different groove. That, I mean, it'd be, yeah, it'd be totally literally. inappropriate to use that in the wrong context, whereas the other two are kind of interchangeable in my mind. I agree, yeah. And, uh, and because there's no extra kicks away from one and three and extra kicks and extra snares away from two and four when i'm accenting the quarter notes it just emphasizes that quarter note feel mm-hmm. where now those accents are showing up because they keep happening in the hole where there is no where there's no drum being played all right now the next one is when you accent all the eighth notes very purposely kind of like what mike was saying about steve ferroni and that's when somebody says i just need this thing to push man mm-hmm. and it's like okay well i can't speed up so I'm going to take the thing that is the most aggressive sounding, and I'm going to raise all eight of those notes. And if you think about playing a quarter note push, what we did going one and two, and even though I'm playing eight notes, I'm asking you to only pay attention to four of them. Well, if I accent all eight of them, one and two, and now we've doubled how many notes per measure you're feeling, and it's going to feel faster than it felt with half as many. So let's give that a listen. That to me is is a trademark Steve Jordan sound. Totally, just smashing the eighth notes, and it just can be super super funky. Absolutely, and you almost have to learn how to do that because even that is weird. It's almost like you tighten your grip a little bit. You kind of crush the notes. You're not letting them breathe as much, right, and you're right. just going. And you go out and buy some 15 inch hi hats because somehow it'll be easier if you just had those or 16s, <laughs> 17s, whatever he's using. 17s, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, and I think that that's one of those things where, 
sometimes you're learning a song and the typical thing of I'm going to go to the ride in the chorus doesn't quite work. Mm-hmm. And this would be a great option for a chorus. Stay on the hi-hats, just push all eight notes. Yeah, totally. That's That happens often for me with singer-songwriter tracks where the new element it gets introduced in the chorus might be the tambourine. So I can't go to the ride cymbal and all of a sudden the tambourine becomes obliterated. So I just, right. just play the hi-hat a little bit differently. It could be any yeah. one of these approaches, but usually that's what happens. Something, another element, maybe another guitar comes in and I don't mm-hmm. need to change because there's enough things changing where I can just do subtle stuff to maybe give it a little bit extra push. Yeah. And the last one we have here is what I call random accents. And in this case, I'm not playing them randomly. It, it is a one-bar loop, but it's placing them somewhere. And I, I remember seeing, and this is only recently, but uh, 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 James Gadsden was playing with Wolfpack, and the hook of the song is a hi-hat accent. He goes, and it's like it happens every two bars, and it's the hook of the song, you know, it rhythmically. So let's give this a listen. This is Random Accents. Yeah, that to me is is another good example of how you don't have to open the hi-hat to make the hi-hat do something. Like mm, Sometimes yeah. an open hi-hat is just incredibly disruptive, but a nice little extra shoulder accent can be just right. just the extra movement that you need without it being like, oh, what happened? Got like I mean, weird happen. that exact thing every two bars is one of my favorite grooves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm doing it every bar just because we have limited time here. Uh, but or or maybe even just one, just one and two and three and four and one and two and three and four and just that. And like you said, instead of an open, just accent it. But yep. you can't accent it if you hit them all loud to start with. Yeah. So you have to get that right yeah. hand down. And that once you get that right hand down, all of a sudden, little simple things become really cool. And then you notice, like, wait a minute, there's like a weird curve in the middle of this symbol. Is that a bell? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a bell. <laughs> See what that thing does. Tickle that thing a little bit. It won't bite you. Yeah, so, yeah. A closed bell sound is interesting. It has like some high, weird sibilance that you can't really describe sometimes. Absolutely. I think Radiohead so, does a good job of that, of miking up oh the high hat. So you can hear, like, is he hitting the bell just a little bit? You can mm-hmm. just sort of hear that. I love that yeah, stuff. Yeah, man. I uh, I remember hearing uh, what was it My Own Summer uh, by Deftones, and it's you know it's like the most famous ten inch tom to snare fill, mm. and Abe goes right into a bell groove. Yeah, yeah. So you hear that high and overtone, it's like, <laughs> and then when he comes in and smashes the hats, it's just way bigger because he was on such a little dainty little bell. <laughs> all right. Now, the last thing I want you guys to hear is I put all of these back to back in four bar phrases with a pop tune. So this is not necessarily the groove I would play with this song. I just wanted you to hear it in a musical context so you could hear how the music actually is being affected by these different hi-hat options. So let's give that a listen.
right. What I love about that demo for me is right before the what would I guess be considered the end of the phrase. I was just craving uh-huh. an open hi hat note. Finally, I was like, "Can you just do one?" And he didn't. Like that was like, "All right." But any any anyone on their instincts would have been open the hi hat every four bars or something. I right. I never would have thought like, "Give me an open hi hat note." But at that point, right. I was like, "Give me a freaking open hi hat." Come on, Justin. <laughs> it's right there. It's under your left that, foot. You can I mean, do it. It's a great example of how to create musical tension by not doing something. Right, right, right. But, I mean, you can hear, like, right away, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, wait, now it has a disco vibe. Yeah. Did we want a disco vibe? And then I really liked the last thing after I hit the crash, the random accents. It's like, cool, I just needed something more than nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but it's just a, it's something that if you're working on a song with your bandmates and you've really settled on a kick and snare part, then and you like eighth notes on the hi hat, you don't have to play a damn hi hat solo. Just maybe yeah. try a few <laughs> start <accents>. diddling. <laughs> yeah, everyone does. It's like, look, it's, it's put your hot rods away and just try some of these things. And then you also need to find out: Do you have the independence to do this? I promise you, if you had a more complicated kick drum pattern and you try to accent the upbeats. You, you're going to go face down into the snare drum your first time. Right. Like sure. both feet fall out from under you and it doesn't go well. So you have to work this stuff out. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. If you are cool with that, I would like to be a part. I mean, I'm a teacher and I'd like to be a part of the educational stuff. So I'd like to do more of that, especially once my camp season is over. But now, is it time for Mr. Spaven, or is it time for some Dream? We're going to uh, thank Dream Symbols and Gongs for sponsoring the episode. Uh, again, they want to make sure everyone is aware that they have been posting videos to their YouTube channel pretty regularly. There's a lot of, of nice demos of their various products played by some of their top artists. I'm going to drop in um, one of my favorite clips on the site. This is the Dream Symbols Ignition Pack with Nick Baglio number one. Let's check this out. Yeah, that is the ignition pack, which is a it's a pre-pack that they they advertise as being entry level price point. It doesn't sound like entry level symbols, so if you're looking for an affordable full pack of nice B20 bronze symbols, check that out. Now let's talk Very about cool. Richard Spaven. We should. I don't because, I know nothing about dang. him, so educate me. Okay, well, uh, you know, first of all, I didn't know that much about him to the point I even told him when we were at dinner, bro, I thought you were German. Uh, so it was, and I think it's because when I finally got hip to him, he was doing videos at the Minel factory. So I thought, oh, he must have oh, just right. come there. That's what you do. You just go to, to the Germany factory. So anyways, I really didn't know much about him. Uh, people kept sending me stuff like, oh, you have to check out Richard Spaven with Jose James. You got to check it out. And I was like, okay. And I'd listen to it a bit and I, I dug it. And then he started doing the stuff with Jordan Rakai, and Jordan Rakai started showing up on his stuff, and I started getting into his solo stuff. Then found out that he was in one of my favorite bands of all time uh, for a while called Cin- The Cinematic Orchestra. Okay. And he took over for their drummer, and he did that for a few years, which was, you know, one of those things where it's like, man, this is literally soundtrack music 
but with some of the coolest drumming you'll ever hear. And now he's doing that. And then I still, it still hadn't fully grabbed me yet. I, I was definitely one of those people that was a fan of his, but not an Uber fan. And then I saw him play at the 2018 UK drum show. I sat front row and I was like, I, I want to see I want to see this thing, and I'm telling you, at the end, I was like, okay, that's my new favorite drummer. Um, it's just um, unbelievable that he's doing things with no more subdivisions, no more speed than you and I currently have in our bag of tricks, and it's just incredible. It's so spaced out. I can't find the one. He was showing the crowd, here is the pulse. Here is how I'm feeling this. Mm. And then... 25 seconds into the track, I'm like, yeah, I don't know where the one is. <laughs> Not to mention it's in 4-4. Was that because of I what he was doing or because of the way yes. it fit within the layer of the music? Both. Both. Okay. Um, but the thing is, what I really like about him is, and this is what's so different about him compared to a lot of our modern Instagrammy drummers, it's a loop. So you can hear it repeating. Mm -hmm. It's not like he's improvising. It's a loop. And he's. it's just... He wrote his drum part. He didn't play his drum part. He wrote it. And uh -huh. you know what I mean? Like he really thought about every note and every accent and how it would affect the song. And it's really cool. And I think that when you listen to the stuff um, from his new album, if you guys really want a cool drum album, check out The Self by Richard Spaven. Uh, it came out in 2017. And... I mean, right off the bat, track one is a track that we'll drop in some audio if we can. And it's a great video. It's one of my favorite videos on, on YouTube. Favorite videos of all time on YouTube is The Self featuring Jordan Rakai by Richard Spaven. And I I know it's – I think it's in 6-8. <laughs> I think. <laughs> Did you hear me say I know and then I dropped a think? I know it's in – I think it's in 6-8. I know it's rhythm. That's my voice I know cracked. it's rhythm. <laughs> <laughs> right, I know he's playing a drum set. Let's drop it in. is and i don't want to worry about knowing what the time signature is it just sounds i don't good. either it just sounds good i mean it's, it just sounds good i don't want to question it i don't want to overanalyze it i don't want to turn it into a math problem it just sounds good i'm going to leave it at that and, and that's exactly why he moved so far up my personal ranking of drummers was at some point i said you know what i'm going to turn my brain off now i actually dig it more mm -hmm. way more and there are or there is that world of math drumming where it's like, no, unfortunately, all this is is math, and I can't turn my brain off. This is music. For music's sake, it just happens to also be extremely advanced, but it's beautiful. And like I said, it is you know, in a looped fashion. I mean, it's a groove. He's not improvising, um, and I just really dig that. And, and that gives me hope to know, like, okay – there's a maximum of 24 notes here. At some point, <laughs> yeah. I could learn this. <laughs> I could learn. This will loop at some point. I mean, um, I love that. That for me is the most exciting thing when you hear something that has I – mean, yeah, there's some references you can pull from electronica and, and hip-hop and whatever. But 
I'm not hearing any obvious, like he's obviously playing a Clyde Stubblefield beat or he's obviously right. taking this lick one way or the other. It's totally fresh in a way. It's it's totally him. Yes. Um, I mean, there's reference, again, I can, I can put it in context with maybe Chris Dave or someone like that, but I don't hear it. This, this vocabulary is fresh, and that's what I find really exciting. Like, I would have to listen to this track. Ten times for that before that would become oh I can I've figured out the loop you know what is he doing where right. is it what's yeah. happening well and I've I've always said when I show this video to students I'm like I can only assume that Jordan has the loudest click in his headphones because they're in the room like recording this together like <laughs> there's no was, yeah. way That's he's what I was singing gonna, over that drum part that was my first thought was either these guys are both just really advanced or there's something keeping him in check like <laughs> there's yeah. something happening it reminds me when i i played this pop gig subbing where it was a lot of loops and program stuff and i was thinking how is anyone going to keep track if one person drops a beat the whole show's off but in the yeah. in the reference mix that was in our in-ears she had recorded like here comes the chorus one two three oh, really? four yeah so you couldn't get lost if we were in like wow. a like a 32 bar solo section right here comes the break one two three four it was yeah, awesome it made me just relax like i don't have to count she's gonna literally tell me when to change parts awesome right yeah yeah <laughs> well and i kind of feel like i and i i have no inside knowledge of this and i, I should have asked him when we we're at dinner um about this like hey does jordan have just like the drums from genesis Genesis is misunderstanding in his ears. Like, is it like, din, 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 chi, din, 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 and then you just do that? Or does he actually, can he keep track of time uh, while you're doing that? But yeah, so what's cool is Jordan Rakai appears on Richard's uh, albums. And like I said, this is The Self. That's the name of the album. came out in 2017. And there's amazing video stuff uh, all over YouTube with it. And then uh, you can check out Jordan Rakai's albums, and Richard is drumming on those. But definitely check out his stuff with Jose James. That stuff is fantastic. And uh, and then and Richard's been doing solo albums for quite a while. I don't know when Fives came out. Um, I, I have it here, but I don't know the, the time. But he's been doing this stuff for a while. And also getting to see him in the U.K., you know, kind of... His, uh, and in Manchester, so so he's well, well known there. It was really cool. It was like, okay, uh, kind of like Ash Stone versus Matt Chamberlain here. It's like over there, it's like, no, that's the dude that does all of our albums, you know? Uh, so, he's yeah, the cat. I don't, having no perspective on that scene, is he, do people recognize him? Is he one of those? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's definitely much cooler than any of the American dudes. He's... <laughs> We got no love. No, no I'm just kidding. Every, everyone, it was, it's actually amazing. But, but yeah, I mean, he's just, it's like, I, I think it was more of a thing of me leaving his clinic and kind of freaking out to some of my friends that are from over there. And they're like, how do you not know about all this? I'm like, mm. I, I don't know. I saw some minor videos. I didn't know he was like that good. Like, that was crazy. So, all right. So that's Richard Spaven. Everyone, please check it out. Check him out. Check his stuff. He does have tons of stuff on YouTube, which is great. You can see him play drums. Uh, but you can also see him recording these songs. So that album is called The Self. Hope you guys give it a go. And, man, he makes Yamaha drums cool as hell. Yeah, right? I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of those, another one of those drum companies where you're like, oh, yeah, they make amazing drums. Yeah. And then he plays them really well. Yeah, it's another one because the Yamaha, again, and when I think when we were like shopping for our first real kit, they were the best of the best. And we kind of yeah, forget. I mean, well, yeah. 
And they didn't really, especially when we were young, they didn't really offer us a lot of options price-wise. It was like, well, yeah. Dave's got the Maple Custom Absolute <laughs> right? know, or whatever it was. <laughs> the one with the gold lugs. Like, oh, my God, I can't. I can't afford that. It's got gold lugs. Uh, yeah, exactly. And then they came He's out with Stage two. Custom, which kind of oh, made it available for everybody. That helps. Yeah. yeah. And then and then you'd watch Carter with his recording custom, and you're like, oh, yeah. damn. You know, and then yeah. Dave had two throw-offs. Who has two throw-offs? The recording custom was weird because it, it became the kit that was in every dirty recording studio. So you kind of just right. overlooked it. Like, yeah, of course they have a recording custom kit and it's all beat up and it's all scarred up. And right. then now you go back, you're like, uh, can I get that kit? Where is it? Because it was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't find it anymore. And there's a reason. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the Fender P-Bass. It's the reason why it was in every studio. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, they're, they're amazing. All right, let's get into some gear. So we're going to talk about the Audio-Technica cardioid condenser microphone this is the at2035 full disclosure i am endorsed by audio technica so i will try to be as uh unbiased as possible so this microphone is 150 dollars. now most people have at least heard of or seen if you're doing some ebay shopping or some reverb shopping the at2020 that's the 99 dollars large diaphragm condenser microphone it's it's audio technica's entry-level mic but it's a killer podcast mic. You could use it on drums if you wanted to. You, re- you could record vocals for your band, acoustic guitar. It's just a do-it-all microphone and super affordable. Then last year, I think I told you about the AT2020 USB-I, which plugged straight into your iPhone. Mm-hmm. This is the upgraded version of the 2020. So the 2035 is $150. And what you're getting out of it, what makes it so cool, is the fact that it comes with some options. So it's in cardioid pattern. So for a drummer, awesome. We don't have to worry about recording the ceiling on accident. It's going to record your kit. That's great. But it's specifically engineered to be a super high SPL mic. So this thing can handle, when you activate the 10 dB pad, it can handle 160 decibels. Mm. It will be fine placing it right over your drum set. I can't say that about all microphones. Um, They're not designed to do that. So this thing is really, really awesome for that. And then the other thing is it also has a, if you're getting a lot of hum from your kit, maybe you've got some 18-inch floor toms that are getting too much hum, it has a high-pass filter at 80 hertz. So I wish that was at 70 or 60 hertz, but, um, but I'll deal with it. Um, now, do you ever use a high-pass filter on an overhead? I do. Um I use a high pass on almost everything some, because. But where do you start it? High on overheads, I'll or hi hat. I'll definitely if the mic has a high pass um, switch, I'll engage it because you're not going to want anything below 100 right. hertz in a hi hat mic in general. Sure. Um, snare drum toms. Usually those are dynamic mics that don't have that option. Overheads. If I'm micing up everything on the kit, I will engage the high pass switch okay. just to get rid of all the muddiness not to worry yeah. about it because i'm going to inevitably eq it out anyway but sure. once i get in the mixing i will put a high pass on everything <laughs> every channel and it just depends on like if it's a bass drum it might be a high pass that's down at like 30 hertz or something yeah just the yeah. stuff that you can't really hear but it just makes everything just feel weird like low right. end heavy so every channel ends up having a high pass on it so i wouldn't overlook nice. that yeah, no, I think it's awesome. Um, so I did a recording of this, and I did it with no EQ, just the microphone over the kit. Now, Audio Technica is well known for the fact that they make honest sounding microphones. So 
when you hear this, don't freak out. They're not trying to sweetenize it. They're trying to capture as much audio range as possible so you can do something with it later. So I'm going to show you just a little bit of drumming with just the microphone. It's about four feet high directly over the middle of my kit. So it's almost splitting the distance between my rack tom and my snare drum as far and then it's right over i would say it's right over my bass drum pedal that would give you the best visual uh and and then there's no bass drum mic there's nothing else this is no eq no compression no anything honest with you that's all you need i mean a bass drum mic would give you the extra dimension but one microphone that sounds it sounds just real i guess the it sounds real the question would be how does it react when you start adding eq and things that's usually i start hearing like high-end um what's the word artifacts in in cheaper mics when you start adding some crispy high eq all of a sudden like yeah that doesn't that no longer is a satisfying sound. But just for a straight, just what do the drums sound like in the room, that's really solid. It, it kind of sounds like a drum set mic, you know, and, yeah. and, that, and nothing's clipping and nothing's being blown out too much. It's not capturing, it's not faking low end. It's not faking high end. It's like, no, it's just a nice flat mic. So this is that exact same recording, and this has compression, EQ, a tiny bit of reverb, and, uh, and you can see what happens to it with that. Again, I mean, I'm hearing more rumble from the toms, but that's just a matter of the way sure. that you you have an open drum sound. So that's not the right. microphone. That's just it's capturing stuff that is good that it captures. It's capturing what's there. Yeah, that's what yeah. happens when I hit my bass drum. It <laughs> activates my toms. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, and I mean, even then with that EQ, I almost felt like the bass came up enough. I actually did record my bass drum track while doing that, and then bringing it in bringing it out i'm like it's really not that massive of a difference there's kind of enough low in there with with that and so that's kind of your typical sweetenizing eq and um some some decent compression and then uh just a little bit of kind of like a gated reverb um and that was that was kind of it but i think so that's 150 dollars and i can tell you right now if i bypassed my neve preamps and just put it into my midas preamps that came in my behringer you would not tell a massive difference whatsoever. So I think if you were making videos, I just lost my Neve endorsement. Uh, if you were making, <laughs> Rupert take it. just lost Send his him mind. Over my way, yeah. I'll take it. He's <laughs> um, <was> like, what? <laughs> Why? I, I soldered that thing myself. So, anyways, if you were just making videos for Instagram, I agree with Mike that, and maybe an Audix D6 or a Sure Beta 52, you'd be done. You know? Yeah, yeah that's. I don't. I mean, again, there's no reason to go any any more than that unless you have a demand for it. Unless someone says, "I need a super detailed, uh, high end." Yeah, symbol. if you're tracking for somebody, of course, or if you want to learn more about tracking drums, definitely go yeah. for a full mic set. But if you're just trying to record yourself to put yourself out there, or even just to listen to your own practicing back, I really don't know that I could recommend a better mic than this for 150 bucks. That's pretty rad. 
That's frustrating, um, man. I've spent so many thousands of dollars on microphones. <laughs> Bro, you know that I took down my $1,250 mic to put that up, and then I was like, you got to be crapping me, man. Like, come on. Come on. Uh, and the one thing that I would recommend to all of you about a mic like that is now you don't just have a large diaphragm condenser microphone for an overhead. You have a podcasting microphone. You can record your buddy's acoustic guitar. Mm -hmm. You can take this to somebody's house with your small interface and your laptop and record their vocals. So it's. I think everyone should own a large diaphragm condenser, whether it's this or something else. It's just the fact that you can get a quality one for 150 bucks is pretty cool. So that is the AT2035. Check it out. Now it is time for your questions. Oh, that's right. Am I prepared for questions? Well, uh, while you look for that, I'll figure out a pick of the week. <laughs> All right. Our first question is from Matt in Portland. He says, I have acquired a number of sets of marching and orchestral slash symphonic cymbals. They're all Sabian in various lines and sizes ranging from 14 to 22. I'm curious okay. to know if I could use these cymbals on my drum set. I was wondering if they were designed or manufactured in a way that was only intended to be hit against each other. Uh, would they hold up to being mounted on a cymbal stand and played like any other crash or ride? Um, well, first of all, I think Steve Gadd's ride symbol for many, many years has been an orchestral symbol. Many years. What? I mean, that classic. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, that Steve Gadd dry, pingy ride symbol. I'm pretty sure that's an orchestral symbol. Really? So that should answer the question. Use it. Just Take use it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think in the end, um, does it sound good? If so, go for it. Does it not? Don't use it. Pretty easy. Yeah, and I know, um, I think Ronnie Venucci uses an orchestral symbol as a bottom hi-hat. For, he uses, like, okay. big-ass, like, 16, 17-inch crash hats or something. Did you just say big-ass? Big-ass. <laughs> Look at you. Loosening up the tie, Mr. Dawson. I love it. Let's get our first F-bomb today. No. Anyway. I'm talking about funk. <laughs> funk. Come on. Get your head out of the gutter. All right. So, and then to his the second point of his question, will it handle a stand? Yes. The hole is drilled just the same as yeah. any others. I don't so. know that they're designed any differently other than they're just weighted differently, but I could be I could be off. Um, so, yeah, use them. If you like them, definitely use them. Some of my favorite, actually, I remember high school, my favorite hi-hat, quote-unquote, was 16-inch marching cymbals. They just sounded cool. Really? Yeah, oh, they wow. just sounded, awesome. sounded funky. Okay, next question is from, was the other one from a mat? This is also a mat. This is um, Mike and Mike. I love and appreciate all you guys do with the podcast. You guys haven't talked about it in a while, probably because they went out of business. But you all got me interested in the Beatnik pad. Since mm. they are no longer making them, is there something that is comparable or should I buy one off eBay? I can't confirm that they are no longer making them or that they're out of business. I think, I think they are stopping manufacturing them because they had a lot of stock. So... They should still be available until that stock runs out. Um, as far as getting one off of eBay, I think just make sure it's brand new because they will, I mean, it'll wear out. Yeah, you don't want to get something you're beating super the crap used. out of it. Yeah. Uh, is someone and else then, making and then, something no, comparable? I was going to say, there's nothing else out there, right? No. I mean, you've got the Roland uh, groove kind of features and Yamaha as well, but they're, they're just, they're different. They're not the same. What I like about the beatnik is you see on a, on the screen, how each of your strokes lines up with the click. Um, and right. you can see over a span of time on like a graph that 
is way more valuable to me than hitting a pad and seeing the screen jump every time I hit it. Like you're ahead, you're behind, you're ahead, you're behind, you're right. on it. Yeah. That is invaluable in the long run because I can't analyze what I did after like two minutes of playing. Yeah. Um, so maybe something else has that function, but that's what I like to see. If I can create a straight line across that screen, I know I'm playing in time. If there's like jumps, like jagged jumps, then I know that something fell apart in there. Right. Um, so I don't know. That should probably should be a question. I should ask them what they're doing with that thing. But I would nice. get one before they're gone, I guess is the, yeah. the final answer. Yeah. Um, they're fun to, and if you're a teacher, they're great to torture your students with. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, honestly, anytime you can gamify something that's as monotonous as trying to even out your strokes, that's a, it's honestly a pretty cool thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm all about that competitive side of certain things. And for me, that's, I know if I can hit a certain mark, then it's not just me thinking I'm good. I know I've got, I've got right. that sticking under control. It's 85%. If the next day I'm at 78, then I know, get your, get your crap together. You're not on it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Last one. All right. Our last one here is from Mike. Uh, do you have any experience using an iPad for reading charts and transcribing parts? I've always used paper charts and transcribed the drum parts with a paper and pencil. It seems that reading a multi-page chart from a large iPad with a foot switch to turn the pages could be an improvement from the paper version. Any advice on your experience, best practices, or which apps would be best is appreciated. That's all you, buddy. Um, I can't answer... All of this in detail, but um, I do use my iPad often, and what I do is I actually handwrite all the charts because it's faster, and I'm used to seeing my own handwritten charts, so I don't want to mess with that psychologically, what it looks like. And I just create PDFs. I either take a picture of them or run them through a copier here at the office to make a PDF out of them. So then I just open them up on my iPad. I put the set list in right order before I make the PDFs, and I can just swipe left or right to get to the next tune. That's a lo-fi way to do it. Uh, I know there are apps, like I think there's one called Set List or something like that. There's a bunch of them out there that my friends use that every time I see them, I'm like, I need to get that app, and I never do. Uh, But I think transcribing it by hand is still valuable for the retention factor of actually using your your hand to write out the groove rather than notating it in software for whatever reason i think i retained it better that way gotcha Um, so yeah i mean there's many options i would do it i would also make sure you take your paper pages with you because if your ipad goes down then you are screwed nice nice there you go uh well well hot dog i i wish i had something to add to that i just don't so (laughs) so let's get to our picks of the week and then i'm gonna go teach a drum camp so, my pick of the week is something that we've already featured, but honestly, it's I just really want to keep pushing it because I think you guys need to check it out. Check out the video, The Self, with Richard Spaven and Jordan Rakai. Hearing Richard play those things is one thing. Seeing him play them is even another thing because you're going like, no, if I could just see it, I could figure it out. And then you still go, what the hell? <laughs> um, and then I really think there is so much to gain from all of us rhythmically from the way that Jordan is singing over this music and these complicated drum parts. It's, um, he's almost got kind of like a mellow seal vibe to his voice. Mm. Uh, and then it, so it's, it's really beautiful, but he sings very relaxed and very deliberate. And then there's this chaos happening on the drum set and the two together just, it's really quite wonderful. So check out the self that's the name of the album, but that's also the name of the song. You can find that video on YouTube.
I think that's what we dropped in earlier, isn't it? Yes, okay. exactly. Cool. All right, my pick of the week is not one individual product, but it's a person and a company. It is Nikki Moon Custom Symbols. Um, I He dropped off a batch of symbols here to the office for me to check out for review and also just for my own, you know, just to he wanted me just to try them. Uh, so what he's doing is he is getting blank symbols from Turkey and creating his own versions of of hand hammered customized symbols what yeah super cool and he, he can also do like if you have junky old symbols that you never really liked you can give them to him and he will customize them and make them something beautiful and he also does stainless steel i have he gave me a 22 inch stainless steel ride to check out it looks like an old k and it sounds like it's from the year 2050 it's like this futuristic really? old k uh, really fun. He's a good dude. He's based here in New Jersey. It's a one-man shop. He's he's making these things, you know, on when he's not working his regular job. So check him out. It, it, I was really impressed not only with his his abilities, but also with his with his passion for the art form. He went to Brazil to kind of study some of the traditional methods and wow. So it's all really cool. He's got some things up on Reverb, but just go to his website, Nikki with a Y Moon dot com. Um, you can see the models that I actually reviewed are there. The the 14-inch Modern Angel Series Hi-Hats, the Half-Naked Crash, the Relic China, which has an inverted bell. There's a um, – and then a couple of rides. So, yeah, really, really cool. So if you're looking awesome. to customize some of your current symbols that you don't really like or you want to get something new and one of a kind, he's you know he's a newcomer and he's really kind of kicking butt. So check it out, NickyMoon.com. That is pretty cool. That's really cool. All right, buddy. Well, uh, everyone, keep sending in your questions to mdinfo at moderndrummer.com. Uh, right now, you are listening to the fat grooves of Mr. Doug Austin. <laughs> huh? I'm becoming responsible, Mr. Dawson. Yeah, I almost don't even know how to like, respond when we actually get it right. So Doug is playing, how would you describe that beat? Kind of New Orleans funk, maybe? Yeah, it's like straight time. It's like a straight time version of a meter's groove. Yeah, dig it. He's using the Focusrite Scarlet uh, Octopre. I guess that's the interface with the extra mic pre attachment. So again, that's a really awesome, affordable interface. If you want to get into recording, check out that Scarlet series. Um, yeah, that's it. So we are out of here. Oh, he's using an old export. There we go. See. That kit does sound good. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks for listening to us. Thanks for letting us be a part of whatever it is that we are a part of, whether it's your drive to work or back from work or a, a jog or time at the gym. Uh, we don't take it for granted. We really appreciate it. If you get a chance, swing by iTunes and give us a review and a five-star rating. That helps other drummers find this podcast. And until next time, that is episode 162. See you next week. Later, Brad. <laughs> <laughs>